0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to this edition of the Old Chicks No Shit podcast. Today, I have with me Amy Ehlers, who is a master coach of wake-up call coaching and is the author of a book called The Inner Mean Girl. And today, I really want to have a conversation with Amy about The Inner Mean Girl because I think most of us, if not all of us, can relate to having that voice inside us that tells us we can't do what we want to do, is the one throwing limiting beliefs and self-doubts in our face at every turn. And I know when it came to my own kind of midlife pivot, my inner mean girl was loud and in charge. And so (laughs) I just, uh, Amy's book is fantastic. It really, really resonated with me. And so welcome, Amy. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you so much. I'm
1: so excited to be here and you know I love everything about old chicks know shit. So I love it
0: because it's true. We do. We know know a lot of shit. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So tell us a little bit about what the inner mean girl is for those of us that might not be familiar with it.
1: Yeah. So what I've discovered, so I've been a coach now for two decades going on 21 years. I started clearly when I was like five years old. I was Um, just going to say that. It must be. (laughs) Hello. One of the things that I noticed over and over and over again over these decades of coaching, people from all different walks of life. And then I would say about 11, 12 years ago, I started really specializing in women in particular. And I noticed that no matter how successful or beautiful or put together or wealthy a woman was, on the outside, on the inside, she was being way too hard on herself, beating herself up for everything that she was not, comparing her worst to everyone else's best, like all of these patterns of self-sabotage. And I started really getting curious about the narrative going on inside women's heads. Heads. And that led to the discovery, of course, of the inner critic, as a lot of people call it. But Christina Rilo and I, um, who was my business partner at Inner Mean Girl Reform School and the co-author of the Reform Your Inner Mean Girl book, we started calling it the inner mean girl because we hear about the mean girls on the yeah. playground of junior high and in PTA meetings and board meetings, but really the meanest girl of them all is the one inside a woman's head. She's the biggest bully. Yes. She's the one that belittles you all the time. So when I say inner
0: mean girl, that's what I mean. Yeah, it's so true. Like, and it, it's like, for me, it was the description that really resonated because that's exactly what she is. It's like that voice that's saying things that you would never, ever say to another person, yet right. you're, you're saying those things to yourself. So it's like, a tr- it is a true inner mean girl.
1: It is. It is. And it's interesting because when you look at different types of inner mean girls, we've discovered in our work 13 different inner mean girl archetypes. And there's some archetypes of inner mean girls that are overtly mean. For example, there's the perfectionist, right? The one that says, that right. if it's not perfect, why bother? It's never going to be perfect, so why start at all? Because it's never going to live up to that expectation, <laughs> Then there's like the other one that's very common, the campaign, like I mentioned, comparing your worst to everyone else's best. She's the one when you're scrolling on your social media feed right. that's like, why doesn't my life look like that? And it's like <laughs> right. that's someone's curated life with good lighting and two filters. Like exactly why are you and <laughs> comparing and 9, the 9, reality takes. of your life. <laughs> exactly. In <laughs> nine thousand days, exactly. So there's like those overt intermean girls and then there's some that are a little bit sneakier, like the good girl, intermean girl archetype, which I totally relate to. I don't know about you, Jennifer, but it's like that one that's the people pleaser, the one that wants to be liked, the one that's like, do what's right, even if it's not at all right for you. Yeah. Or there's the um, achievement junkie in her mean girl archetype. And she's the one that has you achieving and achieving and achieving no matter what the cost. You're unhealthy. Like it's totally blown out your health. You're burning out. You have something going on. It doesn't matter. It's about getting that next achievement. It doesn't matter if it's really yeah. happening on your marriage or your family, right? So there's all these different archetypes of inner mean girls that really get in our way and sabotage us. And midlife is such a huge time when our inner mean girls come yeah. out. Yeah. You
0: know, it's interesting because in my experience, like the inner mean girl was always there. And by the way, I found myself in every single one of the 13 archetypes. Yes. <laughs> I was just <laughs> oh, like, oh my God, point. I got 13 different mean girls inside <laughs> yes, me. I know, I know. We could right. sort of be like Sybil, right? Where we're like, <laughs> yeah, but do I have <laughs> multiple personalities?
1: What's happening? Yes.
0: <laughs> yeah. And so it's, you know, in the process, like I always knew my inner mean girl was there, but like, yeah. boy, did she get loud when I was making, like, big changes in my life. And it was, like, the bigger the change, the louder the voice got, right? And it was so interesting. And the one – we're going to come back to the one that I think is the most insidious is the good girl, in her mean girl, because I feel like that one – there's probably every one of us women that has that one that doesn't recognize how we are sabotaging ourselves because we're doing everything that looks right on the outside.
1: Totally, so true. Yeah. So, so I
0: want to I want to come back to that. But yeah. one of the things that you mentioned in the books is you talked about the self bullying epidemic, and you listed some some statistics about. Like you know the the rates of uh, heart disease, you know yes. the amount of doctor. I think you said sixty percent of doctors' visits are stress related for women. Eighty percent, about- yeah, eighty percent, right? Eighty percent of all
1: diseases stress related, according to the Centers for Disease Control. Yeah, right. Which is just fascinating. Eighty percent, which yeah. makes sense when we look at stress. And one in three women will die of
0: heart disease. It used to be one in four. And now it's one in three. Yeah, that we're less happy than we've ever been, even though yes. we've made. Stries, although that's that's a whole other conversation for, yes, a, for a whole other day, uh, you know, about what we've given up in the process of those. But anyway, and then like eating disorders and all of these things, like why is it, and all of this stuff being much more prevalent for women than it is for men. Why is that? Why as women are we, I mean, I have my own hypothesis, but I would love to hear from you and your experience and why we are so dang hard on ourselves.
1: Well, I think there's a couple of different things. One of the first things that I'll say is that you know I have two daughters, my youngest is six, my oldest is twelve and a half. and one of the things that I've noticed from the day that girls are born that we are fed the steady diet of mm-hmm. media that we're supposed to look a certain way, yeah, and this you know body image insane like this we drive ourselves insane as women of this quest for looking. Perfect, having the tight butt, having the abs, being thin, but not too thin, being sexy, but not too sexy, right? Like this mixed message of like, okay, and then now you're supposed to have like a butt like Kim Kardashian and have (laughs) abs like whoever, you, right? Like it's just this impossible, unattainable thing. And you can look at the images that were fed from the time that we were born that are not even real images. These have been photoshopped and airbrushed to death. Mm -hmm. I love the Cindy Crawford quote who says, I don't even look like Cindy Crawford. (laughs) Right. right. Exactly. Like these images don't represent their, you know, human-like images. They're not the images. But from a young age, we have been fed that. And that has been so devastating to our self-esteem as women. And it is one of, I think it's one of the hugest things that women are hard on themselves about. In my own work, I found that over and over and over again. And and it's really interesting because when I'm in, you know, when I do keynotes inside organizations or when I run one of my workshops... Oftentimes, I'll have women turn to one another and say, if you really knew me, you'd know I'm hard on myself about da-da-da-da, and I fill in the blank. Oh, nice. Right. And oftentimes, it's the women that are in the best shape that are hardest on their bodies, which is always so fascinating because we think if we just lost the five pounds, if we just went to the gym more, if we just whatever, then we'd feel okay about our bodies. Guess what? Nope. That's It's not the case. that's not it. No. It's not yeah. the case. So the, the whole media influence, I think, is a really huge For thing. Sure. And the second thing that I'll say is that when we look at our journey, just in the 100 years since we got the right to vote in the U.S. as women, right, when, when we look at that journey of 100 years, all of these choices, all of these possibilities have gotten added to our plate. Suddenly, we can have the career that we want. Suddenly, yeah. we can go and pursue a master's or a PhD, but nothing got removed from our plate. We are <laughs> still the doing truth. the unpaid labor in the home. We are still doing the emotional labor at home and at the office. I mean, I'm married to a man who is absolutely a feminist. He's raising two strong daughters. He was raised by a single mom. He's amazing. And I still carry the yeah. weight of yeah. the majority of yeah. the household management. And he does so much. I mean, he does so much. He does so much. And I'm still the manager. Yeah, Right? So it's like nothing got taken off our plates. Everything got added to our plates. And then you combine that with the media's role in telling us that we're supposed to look a certain way. We're not supposed to have any wrinkles. We're not supposed to have any cellulite, all these things. And then you have this beautiful recipe for women being inundated with self-bullying all the
0: time. Yeah. And then when you layer age onto that picture, right? Like all of a sudden it's like, as soon as you reach like your late 40s, It's like, you've been erased from the media landscape. Like you never, you know, every commercial that you see on TV and people who've listened to the podcast have heard me rant about this before. (laughs) It's like, you know, if they're showing a woman who's over 50, and in most cases, they're like probably over 40, but like, it's like bladder leakage protection. It's, you know, meal replacement, it's retirement ads. And I'm like, wait a minute, where are all the women in their 50s kicking ass? Like, right. I know they're out there. Why are those not being portrayed? So it's easy to see as you get older, you start to doubt yourself even that much more. Because not only are you, you know, you wanting to make a change or whatever, and you're worried about your body, but you also have been the feeling of being erased from society, <laughs> that your value and your worth is not there when you stop having kids, right? It's incredible.
1: And. Yeah. You know, it's one of the things, I saw this great interview with Tina Fey on David Letterman's My Next Guest Needs No Introduction. I don't know if you caught any of those shows. No, I did not know. But Tina Fey was talking with David Letterman about how he didn't have any female writers often. Oh, I did hear this. Yeah. Right. And he was saying, I just didn't think the women would want to be in that room. And she was like, we wanted to be in that room, David. Let me assure you. And then she went on to tell the story about this SNL skit that was being pitched and they were around the table and they were pitching it. And it was this SNL skit that was like about maxi pads that turned into like you know, like kickboards when you were in water. So you'd jump into the water and then all of a sudden the maxi pad would go and it would be like a kickboard. And all the guys in the room were like, well, that's not really funny. And all the women in the room were like, no, that is hilarious. Right? Like you don't, you just don't have the context. And it was like, that's why representation matters. Men would not know that that is funny. And guess what? Women are watching (laughs) SNL, you know? Like, So it's like, representation matters. It matters to have female directors. It's why I'm like so in love with Ava DuVernay and Queen Sugar, one of her incredible television shows along with 13th, which everybody should be watching. Everybody should be
0: watching 13th. (laughs) Everybody
1: should watch. it. right? But it's like on Queen Sugar, I love that she has one of the women there that's in her 50s or 60s, and she's this like hot, sexy, on fire woman who is just embodying an older woman who is in her prime that is doing her thing and in her power and, you know, sensual and all that stuff. It's like, unless we have women directors directing these things, unless we have women producers and we're seeing more and more of this thank goodness, we're not going to have that representation of those women.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I know for me, like, you know, and again, like what you see reflected on the outside is what's reflected on the inside. And like when I was turning 50 and starting my life pretty much over again, it would like the mean girl turned into not only are you not smart enough and pretty enough, you're also too old. It's too late. You should have done this before. Like it was literally like another layer on top of the stuff that all of us women carry around every day. Totally. And you're, and I know that everyone listening
1: right now is nodding their head because so many times I hear women say it's too late. I should be further along is another one the inner mean girl loves to tell us. Yes. You know, I, I, I remember I posted something up on, Insta, on my Instagram that said, midlife is when you finally realize you're never going to make the 30 under 30 list and you're 46 <laughs> years old. Yeah. And then someone commented, or the 40 under 40. And I was <laughs> like, oh no, I still feel like I have a shot. I don't know yeah. why, even though I'm 46. Like, I'm like, no, I'm holding out. I'm holding out to my 50s to realize, like to really reckon with that. But it's like, you know, we have these images in our minds. and this version of ourselves that is somehow perfect living this alternative life. And no, there's just us living our lives and why not now? Yeah, exactly. In fact, we
0: need the 50 over 50 list. Hell yeah, we do. And the 60 like, over 60, right? Like, and the 60 over, 60, exactly. Like, there's so many amazing, strong, <laughs> kick ass women doing incredible things in the world. And, like, and I know, like, I, when I was <laughs> lying in my bed trying to figure out, okay, what next? I'm like, where are the people who are leading the way? Like, show me what's possible. And I was like, where are they? Right. I yeah. had to do some digging, right. Which is why yeah. I started this podcast to begin with, is yes. because I was like, I need that inspiration. I need to know what's possible. Yeah, absolutely. So let's go back to talking a little bit about the insidious little good girl, mean girl, because Mm -hmm. I feel like this is a trap that many of us, and I am so, so, so guilty of this one, (laughs) fall into that. How could I possibly be doing myself a disservice when I'm doing everything right for everybody? Right. Well, it's such, it it is
1: insidious because... It's how we were raised. It's how we are schooled. It's interesting when you look at, there's this recent study that came out about how little girls by the age of six start taking themselves out of the category of being really, really smart. So it's like mm-hmm. we stereotype ourselves. By the age of six, I have a six-year-old. Like this is kindergarten, y'all. Like we start saying girls just aren't that smart. And we start going into being the good girl. Girls are praised all the time for not talking in class. They're praised all the time for be folding their hands and being nice. They're praised all the time for being kind, where boys are praised all the time for speaking out. You know, it's like this is something to be... There was this other study that I read about recently around how even if men are outnumbered in the room when there's a group of five and there's four women and one man still gets the most airtime and it's like wow So for us, in order for us to break free from the good girl thing and to say, well, I'm not going to do just what's right. I'm going to do what's right for me. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to not say yes again to being on that board or yes again to being the head of the PTA or yes again to whatever assignment at work that you really don't want to do because you want to be good, because you want to be nice, because you want to people please, because you don't want anybody to feel like you're doing the wrong thing. And then it's just paving the road to resentment of you not getting your own needs fulfilled, at least to the barter Huge. complex.
0: And I think for a lot of us, and I'm going to include myself in that, like yeah. I honestly didn't even know what my needs were. <laughs> like I was so disconnected because I was yeah. so busy doing for my career, doing for my family, doing for my kid, like doing, 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 right? That it yeah. like, I was like, what is it that I need, right? And just like getting back in touch with those needs is a huge, huge thing. Like eventually, like they're all in there. They're just buried under layers and layers of do-gooding. <laughs> and serving, right. Right? Oh my, I, I, that
1: is so powerful. And I know there's people that can completely relate. I'd like to yeah. say it's like the, there's nothing to see here intermingle girl. Like there's no needs here. My needs? No, no, no. I'm fine. What about you? Tell me about you. I'm fine. I'm fine. Right. I'm, I'm good. Fine. I'm yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm so busy. <laughs> and then underneath you're seething or then you wake up one day and, you know, you have a diagnosis or you're on your deathbed and you think, wow, I didn't do any of those things that I wanted to do. Yeah. Or spend the time, like you're saying, to get in touch with what I truly want. And And that is really a process of, you know, taking away the conditioning of that you're not supposed to have needs and really going deep within. I'm curious for you, Jennifer, like how, What was your process like of getting even in touch with your needs?
0: Well, for me, it's so interesting because I truly believe that (laughs) your needs will be heard one way or the other, like, and they will; it will come out. And how it comes out is completely up to you. (laughs) And so for me, I was the kind that I needed like a two by four over the head Uh to stop me in my tracks long enough to be able to even ask myself that question. And so for me, that resulted in like physical burnout, stress-related illness, like all of those things to the point where I literally couldn't get out of bed many days. And so I had to like sit there and wrestle with that question that I had never, ever really asked myself, like, what do I want? Yeah. You know? And it took a process of like, of literally just, sitting in that question as uncomfortable as it was, because when you're used to the doing, the doing, the doing, not doing is like, you start to question your worth, you know, your value on the yeah. planet. Like, yep. you know, when somebody asks you, what did you do today? And you're like, I watched TV all day, or I lay in my bed for the entire day. Like you say it with so much like reservation for what they're going to think of you as a person. So yeah, I mean, it took some time to really, for me to to go inwards. and And I really want to get to that part because what you talk about the in the book about the cure for the inner mean girl is actually getting in touch with your own inner wisdom. That is a hundred percent my experience, like a hundred percent. Yeah. But for me, and you know, I hope it's not that way for everybody. It literally took something outside of me to stop me in my tracks. Like, you know, my career for number of reasons ended at that time. I became an empty nester. My marriage ended and I had a stress-related illness. So it was like all of the things wow. that I had identified myself with on the, in the outside world were totally stripped away. And the only thing I had left to look at was me, right? Yeah. So it's like, oh yes, here I am. What do I want? So it was a process of unraveling. Thank you so much. I know that that was really
1: powerful for people to hear. I don't know if you've shared that a bunch on the show, but I just think that's so powerful. And it's like, what if we could get in touch with our inner wisdom and our deepest desires without having to have the two by four? Exactly. And sometimes that can happen. Sometimes it doesn't. If that is happening to you, if you're listening right now, that's okay too. We don't need to make that wrong or bad. Right. It's happening. And for those of you that that hasn't happened to why don't you use this as inspiration exactly. so that doesn't need to happen to you, so you can actually get in touch with that without having to have a crisis in for order sure. to it, you know? You know,
0: and, and that crisis for me, like, I do truly view it as 100% a gift. Like yeah. it was probably the biggest gift that life could have given me because I, I don't think without it, there would have been enough impetus for me to really start taking a hard look at stuff. And so, you know, the thing, the 2020 hindsight is my life was talking to me all along and I just yes. wasn't listening. right? And so, you know, if you can start listening now before you get to crisis mode, it'll be a whole lot easier. (laughs)
1: Right. Well, and this is what I'm teaching my daughters from a very young age. You know, I talk a lot about the inner mean girl with my 12-year-old. You know, we talk a lot about her inner wisdom. I talked about it from a very young age. I'm like, I wonder what this will be like for them if they really understand that they have these voices and to be able to distinguish out from a young age. Now, It hasn't stopped her from having pain in life. Of course. Absolutely not. But to have that internal reserve and that internal thing. Now, sometimes I will say my daughter has been known to say, I don't have to go to bed right now, mom. I'm listening to my inner wisdom. And she says, you know, right? so I can't have a little bit of backlash, fellow parents out there, right? <laughs> Don't use my words on me. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute, that's not how it works. But it's interesting to really think because it's definitely not something that I really got in touch with until later in life. And I'm like, wow, if we had raise a
0: generation, that's in tune with that what will the results you imagine
1: of culture be, you know
0: what well, and I truly believe that like as women in midlife part of our purpose is actually now to model for the next generation like what it means because we we are actually on the on the cusp like we are not the midlife women of the previous generation like we're the mm-hmm. first generation to have had like you said full-time careers you know raised kids did all the housework did all this stuff where you know that didn't exist before and now we get to model okay what does the next phase of midlife that, you know, the chapter of the fifties and sixties look like compared to our mothers and grandmothers did. Right. And so, I mean, I have these conversations with my daughter all the time and like, you know, she's watching what I'm doing and I'm hoping that her perspective on turning 50 is like, oh wow, exciting new chapter as opposed to, oh my God, I'm disappearing. I need to fight this thing. Right. Like what if we can redefine what aging gracefully looks like? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And not only physically looks like, but emotionally and spiritually looks like for yes, people yes. being reinvigorated and making it the best most you know legacy producing part of our lives where we make the biggest difference which is definitely what I'm seeing with women in my you know in my private practice at my retreats this is like a time when women are making the biggest difference yeah ever made. For sure. so it's exciting. It, it can is. be exciting. It's
0: very exciting. If your inner mean girl doesn't get in your way. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so talk to me a little bit about the process you talk about in the book for getting in touch with your inner wisdom and you reference the inner wisdom or, or creating a process whereby your inner wisdom and your inner mean girl can actually work together in your favor. Can you talk yes. to us a little bit about kind of what that looks like?
1: Yeah. So, you know, the inner wisdom I always like to define is just that voice of truth inside of you. Some people call it gut instinct or intuition. You might call it the wise woman within, your soul, whatever words work for you. But we're really just talking about that voice of truth, that place inside of you, that small, still voice that you often have to get quiet to hear, which right. is a part of why it can be challenging. But when we really get in tune with that and start cultivating that relationship with our inner wisdom, then we can join forces with our inner wisdom Wisdom to really soothe the inner mean girl and to really reform her. We talk a lot about giving your reforming your inner mean girl and giving her a makeover. Yeah. <laughs> so making it so that comparison queen turns into a, a force for good inside your life. Like maybe she becomes your talent scout that can go out and find other women. Like she's like your inner mean girl is great for you, Jennifer, to find guests for your show, right? Because she can go out and find all this great talent. And if she's not comparing and despairing, then she can actually be like, oh, let's reach out to this woman and have her on the show versus being intimidated or viewing it as competition, which is such a myth. It's like, no, how can we get into collaboration? How can we get into lifting each other up as women? Which is ultimately what happens when you start really working with your inner wisdom and reforming your inner mean girl so that she doesn't have to wreak havoc on your life anymore.
0: Yeah. I mean, the idea that I could put that inner mean girl to work for me, like when I read that part of the book, I was like, oh, oh, really? Like, because it's this thing that we all want to make wrong. Like we want to cut that part of ourselves off. It's just like a, you know, a limb that we just want to remove from our body. the reality is we can't, we need to embrace all parts of it. And the other thing that you talk about in the book is it actually being a gift. So to be able to see, it's a clue to your needs, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And and it's like your inner mean girl.
1: You know, I always say if, you know, I've written two books on the topic, I've been speaking about it for decades. If anybody could have killed off their inner mean girl, it would have been me. Like, I've done all the research, right? And I still have my inner mean girl, and she still visits me pretty much daily, has a whole narrative that's going on. But what I know about her is that she's really was created in order to protect me. Right. he's not the enemy. She needs love too. She needs to be that part of you that you pay attention to. So that's one of the things that, you know, we talk about in the book and I talk about in my work is really utilizing that energy. And instead of making her wrong, working with her. Sometimes, you know, I oftentimes like with my inner mean girl, and this will come up when, like you're saying, like when you're making big changes in your life, you can expect your inner mean girl to show up. She's there. She wants to protect homeostasis in your brain. She wants everything to stay the same. Your brain wants everything to stay the same. It's yeah. a So it's like if you can instead reassure your inner mean girl and have a conversation and say, sweetheart, I know you're scared. I know you're scared that I'm going to fail. I know you're scared that we're going to make a mm-hmm. fool of ourselves. We're going to be okay. I got this. And then it's like she can simmer down
0: a little bit. So, f- for the longest time, like, until so I'll use myself as an example, yeah. like the inner Girl ran the show, right? And what right. I didn't realize is I also, me, hire me, divide me, uh, whatever you wanna call it, soul me, also had a voice at the, t- at the, and that in that party. And that I wasn't exercising that voice. Like, right. I, I was not saying, okay, I hear you, but this is what I want. Right. Otherwise, it was just like, oh, well, now I can't do it because she said I can't do it. <laughs> right. Right. Without recognizing that I actually had a say and how and where that inner, inner, inner mean girl came out and how she at- reacted to things.
1: Totally. And, uh, you know, the way that I like to put it is that your inner mean girl, you just don't want her to be the decision maker in your life. Right. He's right. going to be in your life but you don't want her the one making decisions. You want your inner wisdom to make your decisions. And that literally will make your life completely different. I mean, it's like either you're letting fear make your decisions, which is what the inner mean girl is, or you're letting love make your decisions, which is where the inner wisdom comes in. Yeah. And so it really is a choice point for people around with, what voice, what part of you are you going to let really run the show in your life?
0: Yeah. I had a kind of a visual of like the inner mean girl was the driver and then I put her in the back seat. Yep. Right? Totally. Yeah. It was like, okay, you know what? You have something to say, but it doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to follow your direction. Right? That's exactly it. Yeah. yeah. I've, I have a client that says, and I'm going to put her in the trunk. Is that okay, Amy? I'm like, yeah. okay, that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's gonna do be that. in the car. You can't help it. It's the human experience. <laughs> yeah. There's a quote that you have in the book here, and I'm just gonna read it because it was it's so near and dear to my heart. It, mm-hmm. You say, We women are powerful not because of our ability to get things done or to do things perfectly, but because we dare to unleash our innately feminine power to feel and express. Which is such a beautiful quote. And I feel like a lot of us as women in this culture, and especially if you've grown up in the corporate world at all or, you know, in nice. any part of the working world, we are not only not in touch with that side of ourselves, we're actually kind of afraid of that side of ourselves.
1: Well, it hasn't been valued.
0: It, right. it hasn't
1: been nurtured. It hasn't been valued. This is starting to change when you look at the work of people like Brené Brown, who are bringing things yeah. like vulnerability and as a strength instead of a weakness i mean having that perspective shift when it comes to leadership that transparency and vulnerability are some of the biggest assets we're really looking at for our leaders now which you know if you look at the political arena it's unfortunate because that isn't what's dominant right now right right but it's but it really is something that's starting to be more valued especially in corporate culture at least on the surface, I think that there's a lot of work. I know there's a lot of work to do inside corporate culture to really value it. But it's one of those things that as women, it's one of our strengths innately is to have this, you know, ability to really tune into our inner wisdom and to be vulnerable and to lead with authenticity and strength through that vulnerability. And so it's something that is, you know, a feminine superpower as we like to call it. And it takes cultivating it. It takes strengthening it just like any muscle. That we have.
0: Yeah. And I think you mentioned this in the book too. It's kind of like this fear that like, I'm going to appear weak. I'm going to lose my edge, you know, right. if I have to give up control, you know, if I have to do less. Yeah. And like, I know for me, that's probably been one of the most powerful things that I have done is to embrace that side of myself. And I actually get way more done way easier in that space than I do from being in the hyper-masculine push, 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 push.
1: Right. right? Well, and then, push, push, push. Well, the, you know, the, here's the thing that I like to say is that the game that we're playing inside of basically all of the systems of our culture right now, especially here in North America, the game was built for one particular type of white man to win. Not even all white men, right? <laughs> yeah. But no, you're one right. particular archetype of man, the alpha male, that's who's going to win at the game. And it's like, So let's not try to beat people at that game. Let's change the game. Game. Yeah. Right? And that's what I get so excited about when I work with my women's leadership incubator program is it's like, how can we really cultivate women leaders that are saying, I'm going to change the game? Because when I work with women inside corporate, and I've been fortunate enough to coach women inside some of the top companies in the world in Silicon Valley, Mm -hmm. they look up the ladder and they see one, nobody that looks like them. They're almost all men. Two very few people of color, very few people in any marginalized community at all. And they see men that are overworking working 60, 70, 80 yeah. hours a week. And they go, forget yeah. it. I'm not, I don't want to go for that next promotion because I don't want that life. Right. And my point to them is like, nobody wants that life. That's actually unhealthy even for the men that are doing it right for now. Sure. Yeah. So how can we change the game? And the only way that's going to happen, it's kind of the chicken or the egg thing, but is if more women say, yes, I'm going to put my hat in the ring for the promotion and here's my terms. And here's the way that we're going to view success. Yes. Here's what I'm going to line up. I'm going to have success on my own terms. And then I'm going to mentor other women and especially women of color, hopefully, to then be able to rise up the ranks and be part of that change and be part of that change
0: culture that we need so desperately because it's just not working. It's, well, it's, yeah. And the same goes for, and I see this so much amongst my own peer group right now, is like women who have been in business for a while and they reach the age of 50 and they're like, I no longer want to sell my soul for my job. And right. so because they can't see another way, like, you, like again, no representation above them, right? right? Like consider themselves not valued. They opt out. That's and right. the sad part is, is that all of that knowledge and wisdom and experience goes with them. Right. And all of that, like if that was in you know, in the higher ups in corporate, like again, the game would change because that woman knows what it's like to burn yourself out, knows what it's like to give up your voice, you know, to a bunch of men in the boardroom, like has had all of that experience and knows how to change the game. Right. And unfortunately, women opt out because they cannot see another way to do that. And that's I right, see- because they don't want to win at that
1: particular game. So no. it's like, how can we really band together? And I think that companies, at least at least companies that are on the cutting edge, they're hungry for that. At least they have lip service, yes. they're hungry for that, yes. right? The reality of that is going to be very challenging because it's going to mean a different form of power. It's going yes. to mean power that don't necessarily want to. But I think if we can amass enough women in particular that are willing to say, yeah, I'm gonna do that. And here's my terms. Here's here's what how this position is going to work. And no, I'm not gonna be working, you know, I talk to a lot of managers and I'm like, please stop taking your laptop home on the weekends. Please stop making it part of the company culture that you do not get time off, that after you put your kids down to bed, you go back to work for another two to three hours. So that your people on your team then are getting your emails at midnight at one in the morning. So what are you doing? You are then creating a culture inside your own team that says do not rest. Do not take yes. care of yourself. Work at all costs. Yeah. And I get that we have projects where it's an all hands on
0: deck moment, but let's have that be the exception, not the rule. Exactly. Yeah. Oh God, I can relate to that. I remember getting emails at like three or four in the morning and being like, why are these people sending emails at three or four in the morning? And I then know. feeling like, you know, it's 7am and you're late to the game already. That's exactly right. <laughs>
1: like, <laughs> yeah. And then you have all that pressure on you. Yeah. And then what does it lead to? Burnout, stress, disease, illnesses. Yep you know, havoc in your, in your health and your personal life with your kids. I and mean, I have, you know, so many, I've coached so many women and in particular moms that are like, I just can't spend any less time with my kids than I already do. I just can't do it. Yeah. I'm like, you shouldn't have to. Right. It's not an either like, or scenario. You, yeah. You're ambitious and you make it in your career or you get to be the kind of mom that you want to be. It's yeah. just,
0: that should not be the option. Yeah. You know? Things are shifting, like you said, slowly but surely. But again, you know, like my mission on this planet is to help this group of midlife women step into their power to see the value of all of the wisdom and experience and especially our inner wisdom because I feel like at this time of life your inner wisdom starts speaking to you really really loudly like you have less kind of in front of you you know you're not maybe your kids have left home and you know you have a little bit more quiet time and you know it's when your inner wisdom starts saying okay sister it's time to make some shifts it's time to align with who you really are instead of pretending to be this thing that you think other people want to be and you know like I said inner mean girl at that point in life is usually <laughs> a big old loud voice in that conversation. So what you've written in this book is, was brilliant. And I love, love that not only is it brilliantly written, but it has so many great like practical tools and exercises for, for people to kind of go through and see themselves, to really see themselves and identify the different parts of your inner mean girl that maybe need to be have a little bit of <laughs> love poured on them,
1: right? Yes. Yeah. Well, and the goal is for you to turn down the volume on that inner mean girl and turn up the volume on your inner wisdom. Yeah. And really giving people the tools to uncover how to connect with their inner wisdom because it's yeah. not something that we're taught. No. Um, I think it's starting to be taught a lot more now, but it, it is, like you said, you know, you had to kind of strip everything away and be left with just facing yourself. And for so many people listening, I want you to know you can – cultivate that relationship anytime it is never too late
0: oh 100 percent. and if i can do it anybody can do it <laughs> because like yeah, i was probably so far disconnected like i said it took a two by four actually yeah. it even took my personal trainer firing me because really? i yeah like i my <laughs> body was literally falling apart but i was like i have to keep going to the gym and one day i walked in and she's like no i'm not doing this anymore you're fired Wow. I know. Talk about wow. needing a brick in the head. So if anybody right. can do it, I can do it. And like, this is like one of my daily non-negotiables is to sit down and connect with my inner wisdom. It's actually um, several times a day, right? Yes. It makes a yeah. difference. Yeah. It does. It does make all the difference. So thank you for spending this time with me. Thank you for writing this brilliant book to all of my listeners. I highly recommend that you go get the, uh, your what's the actual title? Reform um, Your Inner reform you're in a Mean, mean Girl. Uh, it's available on Amazon, I think, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, check it out. I think it's a brilliant thought starter for where we need to go and the work that we all need to be doing to really step into our power at this time of our lives. So thank Jennifer. you, thank you.
1: And, and, um, and I'd love to gift your listeners, if I can, with this yeah. mean Girl quiz. Is that cool? Yeah. Um, I mentioned the 13 different Inner mean Girl archetypes and we created this free quiz that you can take. It's about, it's 39 questions long, but they go really, really, really quick and you can go to free intermeangirlquiz.com. And okay. at free girl quiz, you'll click the start button. You'll very briskly answer the questions. It takes under five minutes. And then you'll get a full inner mean Girl archetype report that will show you the ranking of the 13 different inner mean Girl archetypes. And it will give you an instant deactivator tool. Oh, to
0: perfect. Girl. So oh, that's, that's awesome. A,
1: and a gift to all of you that are listening. It's a really fun quiz and really insightful.
0: So cool. I will make sure to put that in the show notes. And, awesome. Um, Thank you. Yeah. yeah. So thank you again. I really appreciate you uh, spending the time. And everybody, go check out the book uh, "Reform Your Inner Mean Girl" and go to freeinnermeangirl free do dot oh, com. Oh, freeinnermeangirlquiz We okay. got it. Um, yeah, awesome. Thanks so much, Amy. Thanks, Jennifer. Thank you for listening to the Old Chicks No Shit podcast. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give is to share this podcast with a friend, subscribe, rate and review our podcast on iTunes or wherever it is that you listen in.